Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So if you remember yesterday, at the last episode, we were in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And we talked about teachers, and we talked about the importance of teachers, and how teachers aren't just people who speak words, but they also demonstrate words. Uh, they show what it's like to be Jesus, to be like Jesus. Now, we know this. In When I was a kid, I took karate, and it would be very foolish for the karate teacher to come into a classroom and say, okay, when this happens, do this, and when this happens, do this, and this is what a kick looks like, and this is what a punch looks like, and this is how you block everything. Okay, go and do it, right? No, 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 no. If, if you're learning karate, the words are almost meaningless, right? If you're going to learn karate, you get in the dojo with the instructor and he shows you how to throw a punch and how to block a kick, uh, how to block a punch and all those things. And you practice it over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature. And then when the threat comes into your life, you don't even notice it. You just block it or you block the kick or, or whatever because you know the physics of how threats come into your life. So that's how teachers teach. It's not just the words they teach. It's also the actions. And the same thing goes through true with the followers of Jesus. It's not just the words of Jesus it's also putting those words into action and learning what those words, how they impact your life. And so we spent a lot of time on that yesterday. Uh, if you want to, if you missed it, go get tomorrow. You can find more about that. And then teaching is the main role of the church. If you remember, Jesus said, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And that means that this role of the church in the world is teaching. And if you're going to teach, you need teachers. And teachers are not just people standing on a podium explaining words. Teachers are also people that get deep into a person's life and they teach. I think that's why we limit classrooms early on in grade school to a small number of kids because a teacher is working with those kids, demonstrating the concepts and all those sort of things. In Christianity, the teachers that you want in your life are the ones that demonstrate Christianity in their walk so that we can see it. We said yesterday that the main teacher for a child when it comes to faith development is the parents because they're the ones in the child's life demonstrating their own faith and then that faith gets propagated to the children. They learn, certainly they learn from the words, but probably more powerful than the words, they learn from the parents themselves and the actions that they do. And that is very, very, very powerful. So if a child grows up in a family that does is not where the where the home perhaps doesn't have strong christian parents that demonstrate the love and the grace and the life of jesus to the parents 
that's where the whole system breaks down. And so I think for a church in 21st century America today, in, in, um, in the Lutheran church, which is very mainline Protestant, old, old church, we've relied upon parents. The whole, the structure and the makeup of the church has, the foundation of it has been that the parents are going to teach the faith that the parents are going to demonstrate the faith. And so we, uh, as a congregational level, are reinforcing that. We're helping grow the faith of the parents, and we're reinforcing that. But it is a different world now. If you look at the early church, the way that faith was propagated was that they found people that were, were um, wanted to learn about Jesus, and then they taught them at an adult age. And then from there, it could spread to, well, for whoever, which is why in the early church, you didn't see a lot of discussion about children because in the, in the early church, in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, mostly the book of Acts, it's mostly adult people who are interested in Jesus Christ. And then the question is, where did it go from there? But I think a church today in 21st century America where we really need to focus and concentrate our attention on probably is parents, uh, parents with young children, and helping strengthen their faith, help to teach them the basics of the faith so that they can teach it to their children. And that may be different from the church I grew up in, maybe even the church you grew up in, where parents were godly parents and they understood the basics of the faith and they demonstrated the basics of the faith and, and the church was just a, a, a side assist to the faith. But for the church today, I think they're missing the mark if they are not deeply involved in teaching Jesus to parents. I think that is probably the number one calling of a church today. And so I'm grateful that at least our particular congregation does have methods and out uh, ways that we can demonstrate that stuff to young families. And, and so I'm grateful for that. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on because that's the, that's the faith that the parents teach. And it's not just words, but it's also actively demonstrating what those words mean and helping those words penetrate deeply into a person's heart. Okay, now, but James goes on. James now is going to talk about what that means at a different level. So let's just start at James chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. When we put bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. So it, it does go on after this, but now, now the, the author of Hebrews uh, of James is saying, um, James is saying, the tongue is very, very powerful. And we know this, right? Now, when you're a kid, we're taught that words don't matter. 
And that if somebody on the playground is being mean to you, they come up to you and they say something mean to you, that one of the things we teach our kids is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that is a great way to be a defense against words that come into your life is to not take them from the bully, right? To not say, you know, these are just words. I'm going to walk away. And you walk away and you say it's not impacting me. Now, we know deep down inside that all words hurt, especially if they're mean, evil, bad words that somebody says to you. They hurt. But as far as training our children as to how to deal with word hurtful words, one of the ways to deal with hurtful words is, right, is to just ignore them, to just to let them pass on by you. Now, when you're a kid, that's really, really hard. But as you grow in your faith and you become a strong tree rooted by the, the streams of living water and Jesus is deeply embedded in your life and you understand that you are a child of the kingdom and no matter what the words are, they can't impact you because you're still a child of the... That's what mature faith looks like. In mature faith, yes, Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will not hurt you in a mature faith because you're a child of the king. Now, it takes a long time to get there. As a matter of fact, um, this Sunday, we are beginning a new series on Sunday morning called Deep Roots. And this Deep Roots is looking at faith and how it's developed and why it's so important. And deep faith, deep roots is important because we can deflect words that are mean or hurtful. But the fact is, as a small child, we know, we absolutely know that words are tremendously hurtful. Think about the word, the, think about the times in your life that have really, really hurt you. And you might say, well, I was in a car accident or I broke my leg or I fell out of a tree and broke my wrist like I did. Or, or somebody said this to me or somebody said that to me. And these are times in our life that are very painful that we remember. The tongue is a powerful, powerful thing. There, there have been all sorts of throughout history, movements that have gone on throughout history are all started by a concept or an idea that came out of the brain and the tongue. If you went to uh, France during the student rebellion, the student revolution in the, in the 18th century, it was, uh, it was the, the people meeting in the salons that were gathering together to talk about the ideas of freedom and about the uh, aristocracy and how they had completely co-opted all the power and the influence in their, in their community. And now they, they needed to have a revolution. Well, how did that revolution start? It started with words. It started with a concept and a word that, that, that came out of a person's mouth, one person's mouth. One person said, hey, I think we should rebel. And then the next person said, I agree with that. And pretty soon you get a crowd meeting in a salon or a restaurant or whatever, wherever they met. They called them salons back then. And they would uh, discuss these ideas to the point where they created a revolution. All started with words. Words lead Words are powerful. The words that we say matter, and every word that we say matters. You can take every word and you can parse it and try to understand it. Words lead, just like a bit in a horse's mouth. Wherever the, wherever the bit goes, the whole entire horse goes. Have you ever seen a bit? It's just a little tiny thing. It goes into the horse's mouth, and yet this little tiny bit will control 
this big, huge thousand pound animal, or I don't know how much, I'm guessing a thousand, I have no idea how much a horse weighs, 800 pounds, 600 pounds. Anyway, whatever a horse weighs, the, the bit goes in the horse's mouth and the rider and the horse all are driven by this little tiny bit or take a ship. This would have been a perfect example in the, in the time of, of James that the, the whole ship moves based upon this little tiny rudder and the rudder, which is just a tiny thing, steers the whole ship. Words are powerful and the tongue as a part of, a, of the body is powerful. Consider what great forest fires are set by a simple, small spark. Um, I, could, I could look at all of the events, all of the, the riots and the gatherings and, um, and all the things that have happened over the last couple years that have been sparked because of actions, sure. But then those actions, there are people that take those actions and they speak words and say things like, uh, well, I don't even want to. I don't want to get into that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They speak words, and then those words create a movement that creates people gathering together to do all sorts of things. Words are powerful. Now, James is talking about this in the context of teachers. Why is he talking about this in the context of teachers? Because the words a teacher teaches are important and they're powerful. If you are given a position of authority and you are a teacher, you need to be very aware of every word that you say. This is something they demonstrated in seminary. Like when you preach a sermon, make sure that the words are carefully crafted and that they, that they demonstrate and reflect the truth. And they would even say things like, if you say something that you later on think about and say it's not the truth, and the next Sunday, get up and say, I said this, but this, I want to clarify it. And this, that's how important words are. And in seminary, it's very much word-centered. Everything is centered on the word. And then all, this, all the stuff we do at seminary is centered on the word, which is Jesus, who gave us himself, word which, is, which became flesh and dwelt among us. And it wasn't just the words that Jesus said, but it was also the demonstration, the life that Jesus lived. And we all know that words can set a fire. I mean, we've seen ex ex countless examples of that, about how it's just one simple word that can that just can go, right? But, but James goes on uh, because, of course, he does. So we're going to go on to verse 7. He says, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. What does he mean by no one can tame the tongue? It, the, tongue is, the tongue is the reflection of the thoughts and the hearts of a person. And so you cannot, you can tame animals. You can tame birds, you can tame reptiles, but you cannot tame another, another person. The words alone, I think this is true. Maybe for children it is true, but for most people, words will not change that person. If you've been married and you've struggled with your spouse on a certain issue and you've said something time after time after time after time after time again, those words are just not enough. Sometimes 
you have to have the words and you have to demonstrate the words or you have to let the words penetrate deeply. Or in Christianity, you also need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life helping you to make the change of the words. Nobody ever makes a change. This is a truism that I believe very, very strongly. Nobody makes a change uh, just because they hear something. They make a change because they hear something and something resonates with them and it penetrates deeply into their emotions and into their heart, into their very being. And if it does that, and then from that, people have a desire for change. That's when the change happens. But just hearing the words, uh, unless the Holy Spirit is at work and penetrating those words deeply, which is God's word. God's word does penetrate deeply through the power of the Holy Spirit. God does that. But other words that without the power and the backing of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get a change from just words alone. They have to penetrate deeply. And the people who are hearing the words, they have to come to the conclusion that they want to change, that those words have penetrated so that they, they now they want to do whatever those words are saying. And that's why, you know, revolutions and riots are so powerful because this, because people hear the words and they penetrate deeply. And I want to, I want to do these things. But if you have somebody that's, that doesn't want to change, you can say all the words in the whole entire world and they're not going to, it's not, it's just going to go off into never, never land. If you've ever counseled somebody or been with somebody that's going through an addiction, they say that the first part of the addiction is just really recognizing that you want to change. A lot of people don't want to change. They, they, they say they want to change, but they're not willing to do the hard work that the change requires. And that for that to happen, it has to penetrate deeply than just the brain. It has to go way down into the heart. But once it does go way down into the heart, man, there's nothing that a person can't, can't do because with God by your side and it penetrated deeply in your heart and it's something you want to do, you will get it done. If a person, if a person has it in their heart that they want to get it done, it may need some help. It may take some time. It may need to require a lot of people walking beside them. It may take therapy or whatever. But, but once the heart's changed, everything else is just mechanical. It truly is. And all kinds of birds, animals, reptiles, they all can be chained, tamed, but the tongue cannot be tamed. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's going to go on. He's going to say, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So what he's saying by here is that, listen, at its root, when you use your tongue, do you have a desire to spread, I want to say evil. It is evil but it's also hurtful words. It's also words that, that destroy instead of building up. It's also words that can, that can be like sticks and stones that break bones. And kids do this all the time. Kids always say mean words. We have to train our kids to stop saying mean words and to start saying 
kind words. At least stop saying the mean words, right? But think about your own life and the words that you share. Are they words that really build up and lift up and help? Or are they words that tear down and destroy and, and, just, and really destroy? We have the power in our hands, in our mouths, in our brains to do either. Now, I'm not saying that all words should be kind and gentle and flowery. There may be times when you're in a relationship and you need to speak the truth and those truth words are going to come out very, very difficult. And there may be some times when you're speaking the truth to somebody and they're just not hearing it, they're not hearing it, they're not hearing it. And so you need to elevate your position, either with stronger words, more powerful words, or maybe even by force. We do this with children, right? But those are all to help the situation. That's helped to grow, to, to build up the situation. They may, be, they may seem like mean words at the time, but in the overall picture, they are truth words that help, help change the situation. So those words are positive, constructive words, even though they may sound like they're bad words. The words I'm talking about are the words that you know because you see this all the time. It's like prevalent everywhere in our world and our society. Words that do nothing but destroy. Words that do nothing but uh, generate anger and violence. And um, I think about the Didache. If you haven't listened to the study of the Didache, over the summer or in the fall, we went through the teachings of the disciple. The Greek word for that is didache. And in that, it talks about how a Christian should live their life. They should be peaceable, filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, lifting up and building up. Those are the types of things. And then they go into this other way, which is called the way of death. That first way is called the way of life. The way of death is just speaking unkind, uh, you know, speaking words that destroy and kill and all that sort of thing. We as, as followers of Jesus do not want to be like that. We want to be people who love and lift up and build up and add sand to the fire and not fuel to the fire. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Now, that is not easy, and it takes deep faith to do that. You have to have deeper roots to do that. It grows over time. Because sometimes people say mean and angry words to you. And when you're a kid, the first response is to punch him in the face. But as your faith in Jesus grows stronger and you see his role for you in this world, your response may be to say, I'm not going to punch you in the face. I'm actually going to give you a hug. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a little extreme, right? Or, but, but here's some kind words in back, you know, back. That's where maturity comes from. And I think that's what this world needs desperately right now. We need mature people who can let the words roll off of them and move forward as they can. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have an agenda and that you can't, you know, fight for what you believe in. And there are times when you're fighting for what you believe in, you're going to you're gonna say words that are mean or angry or whatever. You might even, you know, pick up a, a sword and fight, Right. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that as a follower of Jesus, we have to have the faith to see the deeper picture because what James is calling us here, he says you can't be both. You can't be a salt spring and a freshwater spring. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a freshwater spring. You're giving words of life and hope to the world around you. That's your first and foremost and primary calling. 
Now, based upon that, you might do other things. You know, you based upon that, you might even enlist in the army and fight in a war and actually kill people. And that is okay. I mean, it's not okay to kill people. We don't want to kill people, but it is it is okay to follow your government. God has given us permission to do that. And so you might do some hurtful and harmful things. There's no question about it. But you as a follower of Jesus in the situations where you have control are called to be a person with gentle words, a person that that praises uh, instead of curses. And that's what God has called us to be. So I think... Uh, I think we'll leave it there. The The thing is, I'm not going to leave it there because the one thing I want to say is that none of us get this right. None of us have always had peaceful, loving Jesus words come out of our mouth. And many of us have regrets for words that have come out of our mouth that we immediately regretted or years down the road we regretted. Words that destroyed people, relationships, situations, those types of things. And the thing you should know is that the power of Jesus' love overcomes those times. That all of us have fallen short. All of us have said words that aren't good. But Jesus still loves us and says good words to us and still keeps us safe in his kingdom. Not because of the words we said, but because he was strong enough with the words that he had to come to this earth, become flesh, and redeem us from all the times we say bad words. I guess I want to leave on that. All right, so let's uh, let's close in prayer. Dear God, help us in our walk to share words of hope, of peace, of love, of joy to your world around us. And Lord, when we fail, wrap us with your arms and bring us even closer to you. This we ask in your son's name. Amen.